Good morning to you all. It's great to see you. It's great to be with you. And it's great to be in this place together. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. But before I do go forward, let's, let's, just, let's just pray. Lord, your presence overwhelms me. There's no place I'd rather be. But in your place of dwelling, Lord, in your place that you are here, the almighty God, you are here with us, with our kids, with our youth. You are here with us. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you again and again. You're the everlasting. You're the Alpha and Omega. You're the one who created the heavens and the earth. There is nothing false in you. There is nothing dark in you. I'm overwhelmed by your presence, God. I'm overwhelmed that I can come into your presence right now and be with you. Overwhelm us, captivate us, inspire us, dwell with us, reset us, move us forward. Heal us. We are your people. We are people of the Trinity and who are called by your name. So we are so thankful, Lord. Remind us of our own stories. Remind us of how you've spoken to us, that you called us. Remind us of how we first walked with you. Remind us of who you are to us this morning. Come, Lord. Take us by the hand. Lead us day by day, hour by hour, and minute by minute. For you are our Lord. There is none like you. We give you ourselves again. And we ask you to come, and you do. Amen. Well, gosh, it's just it's such a beauty to be gathered together. Gosh, I'm going to have to have a bit teary this morning. It's such a great honor to be together. And over the past few weeks, as you know, we've been looking at some of the things we believe the Lord has called us to here in the vineyard. And this morning, we're going to take a look at worship. And worship, of course, is one of our highest priorities. It's one of our legs on the vineyard person. And obviously, the other one is compassion. It's one of our legs we stand on. And of, over the course of our history, worship has been one of those things that the vineyard has been perhaps known for. 
Worship was a thing that captures us right back at the very beginning and continues to captivate us, our hearts to this day. And what was it about the worship that so impacted us and caught us up into the presence of God? Well, you will have heard it all before, but it was singing these simple songs to the Lord just because we love him. It was because there was intimacy, a sweetness, a simplicity, and an accessibility. You could remember the words. You could sing these simple songs of love to Jesus over and over and over again. And it was okay. And these, all these things we need to fight to keep hold of the simplicity, the sweetness, the poignancy, and the accessibility. We need to keep our worship simple. We need to keep our worship pure. We need to keep our worship intimate. And above all, we need to keep our worship centered on Jesus, telling him how wonderful he is. And alongside this, our worship needs to reflect our theology. The songs we sing need to reflect our commitment to the scriptures. As we've said, the Bible is our plumb line, our gold standard, our yardstick. And our worship is to be theologically sound and doctrinally satisfying. And we want to be careful to keep that in our sights. When I first came to this church, when I was 21, it was the worship that stopped me dead in my tracks. It was the worship that captivated me. It was the worship that spoke to me and soothed my wounded soul. It was as I came into a room full of people, lost in adoration, caught up in the presence of God, that I, that I, encountered the presence of God for myself. I didn't come for man. I came to arrive to meet the living God. I came to see if it was true, if he was real, if it was real that the living God existed. And I stood at the back of this church for over three months watching people caught up worshipping the living God. And I sat there at the back, watching, thinking, who on earth do they love that much? Who on earth are they worshipping with all their heart, mind, and soul? Who, who on earth is their God that they're worshipping? And then I found that God for myself. As I said before, I didn't come for man. I didn't arrive at church. I arrived to seek the living God. And some, five, some 35 years later, the same thing remains. As week in and week out, we gather 
as the body of Christ. And as Neil often says, quoting Eugene Peterson, we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of the Almighty, attend to him. We attend, we give him all. Even if we don't feel like it, we give him all. We attend to him, for he is our Lord. He comes to meet us where we are. He comes to wash our feet, to speak words of encouragement, of love. He comes because he is our shepherd. He comes because he knows us. He knows what troubles us. He knows what journeys we've been on, and he comes by fixing our eyes on him, by turning our full attention to him, the author and perfecter of our faith. We ascribe to him greatness and glory and honor and praise in and through these simple songs to Jesus. And as we do so, because of his great love for us, in his mercy and his kindness, he comes into our midst through the power of his presence and touches our hearts and lives as he transforms us into the image of Jesus, which is why we always make time for worship It's why we worship first before anything else, because he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy to be praised. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, you may recall me talking about Joshua 4, about the Israelites having crossed the Jordan, left behind the years of wilderness, and finally entered the promised land. And although I haven't got time to go into it all this morning, I think there's something prophetic in this verse for us as we take some time in the scriptures thinking about worship. There's something of a reminder of all that God has called us to, that we are to remember and remind ourselves in the same way that the Israelites took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan and laid them at Gilgal, a place of commemoration, a place of consecration, and a place of commissioning. And these reflections of the vineyard DNA are to be, as it says in Joshua 4, a memorial to the people forever. So with all this in mind, let's take a look at the incredible, marvelous, difficult bit of Revelation 4. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, And the voice I heard, had first heard, speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there 
had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. They have their being, and by your will. They were created and have their being. The Westminster Confession of 1648 says this, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Charles Spurgeon, back in 1893, simply said this, simply but profoundly said, beloved friends, you can imagine him, we may well continue to worship God, for our God continues to give us cause for worship. Such simple theology is sadly missing in many of our lives and in many of our churches. And the God who continues to daily give us a cause for worship is majestically addressed here in Revelation 4. He is praised as the King of creation, who is eternal, holy, and glorious, a God who alone is worthy of praise and worship. In actual fact, chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation are in essence one vision, for, uh, one vision of two parts, with chapter 4 describing God the Father and creation, and chapter 5 describing God the Son and redemption. And the thrust of these two chapters is that both by creation and redemption, God is sovereign over his world. He created it and he redeemed it. 
And he alone is worthy of our worship. He alone is worthy to be praised. So let's take a look at the scriptures. First of all, have a look at chapter verses 1 to 5. We worship God because he is king over all things. In Revelations chapters 2 and 3, we see Jesus going through the seven churches, giving us a view, if you like, from here on earth. In chapters 4 and 5, the scene shifts to heaven, giving us a view from above in this somewhat strange and mystical language. But in this opening chapters of Revelation, we get a clear picture that all that is happening here on earth is under the sovereign rule and reign of the one who is seated on heaven's throne. 1 Timothy 6 verse 15 says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Isaiah 66 tells us, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Poet Robert Browning famously puts it, God in his heaven, all's right with the world. As one commentator puts it when speaking of these verses, What a vision! What a king! Our affairs rest in the hands not of men, but of God. Hence, when the world is enkindling the flames of hatred and slaughter, and when the earth is drenched with blood, may our tear-dimmed eye catch a vision of the throne which rules the universe. In the midst of trial and tribulation, May our gaze be riveted upon the one who is King and Lord of Lords. So we worship God because he is King over all things. Secondly, we worship God because he is holy. Have a look at chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. This is where things get a little interesting, as what we see is both magnificent and strange. Firstly, John sees in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. This adds to the splendor and the brilliance of the vision. Perhaps it represents purity of heaven. Perhaps it stands for God's transcendence and holiness. And then John sees in the center around the throne where four living creatures and and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. Now we have to remember that John's using the language of revelation and vision and heaven. And even though it's not terribly accessible for us, it's rich with symbolism and meaning. One was like a lion, another an ox. A third had this face of a man, and the fourth was like an eagle, and each one is deeply symbolic. 
along with being covered with eyes. Each of these angelic beings of worship had six wings and are reminiscent of the seraphim we see in Isaiah 6 and the cherubim we see in Ezekiel. It may be being covered, that covered with eyes reflects something of God's nature, his knowledge of all that is all ever will be. It may be that wings symbolize a swiftness to do the will of God. Exactly what they are and what they mean is not immediately within our reach, but whatever the symbolism may mean, his creatures tell of his holiness. His holiness, his sovereignty. One writer calls the four living creatures God's cheerleaders. And while the symbolism of their appearance may be unclear, what they do is not day and night, they never stop. These angels never sleep. And what is their message? They chant their song, echoing the words of Isaiah 6. They cry out, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Another writer puts it like this, the four living creatures ceaselessly proclaim the holiness of God, holy, holy, holy. The living creatures celebrate God's holiness and power from the past to the present and into eternal future. In these two chapters, the sequence of these hymns reflects that the first two are addressed to God the next two to the Lamb, and the last one to both. And yet throughout, his creatures continually and forever tell of his holiness. And so we, we worship God because he is king over all things. And secondly, we worship God because he is holy. And we worship because God because he has created all things. Have a look at chapter 4, 9 to 11. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God. You are worthy, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to one seated on the throne, which is always and forever, the redeemed, in this case, the 24 elders, elders worship. They worship. And how do they worship? They fall down. And they cast their crowns before the throne. They fall down 
and cast their crowns before him. All that he has given them, they joyfully, they joyfully give back. They acknowledge that all they have has been given by him. They do not earn it. They did not merit it. They withhold nothing from, what, from the one on the throne who was majestic and awesome and holy. Which is why our worship always, always ends in surrender. Echoing the words of Isaiah 6, when the Lord sends, says, Whom shall I send? Who and who will go for us? Our response is always, Here am I, send me. A revelation of the king, high and exalted, seated on the throne with a train of his robe, filling the temple, always, always results in worship, always results in surrender, always results in us falling down before him who sits on the throne and worshipping him who lives forever and ever. who lives forever and ever, who lives forever and ever. Our text ends with a glorious and majestic hymn. Praising God, falling down, laying their crowns before the throne in worship, the 24 elders now sing to God, you are worthy, our Lord, our God. And that's what we do, week in, week out, as we worship the one who is worthy. There's a hymn we sang this morning, the first hymn, that finds its inspiration in Revelation 4, 1 to 11. And we sang it this morning, beautifully. The band, our worship band, led us beautifully. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning, our song Our song, our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee. Casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, who was and is and evermore shall be. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of a sinful man your glory may not see, only thou art holy, there is none beside thee, perfect in power, Perfect in love and purity. 
holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, holy, holy. Merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Why don't you stand?